You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, unafraid witness, and uncommon community. If you have yet to do so, we would love to have you join us for worship in God's Word on Sunday mornings. For more information, visit us online at harvestniagara.ca. Thanks for listening. Good morning, Harvest Church family. So good to be with you uh, today from uh, a distance, but I know you're watching from your own homes, and it's good to be together as a church family. And I encourage you right now, if you're watching on Facebook, just take some time to give each other the uh, virtual handshake and to give each other hellos and nice to see you. And uh, if you're visiting with us today from somewhere else, maybe somewhere else in in our community or even across the country, welcome here. We're glad that you've tuned in to hear uh, from God's Word today. And so um, we're just going to dig right in uh, this morning. Turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 26. Uh, I'm really excited this morning to get into God's Word with you and to bring you some hope and some encouragement from God's Word. Isaiah chapter 26 today is where we're going to be, and it's really a two-part series. Uh, last week, we really went through Isaiah chapter 46 and really studying who God is and, and trying to speak to the reality of who God is in this difficult time that we're facing and, and reminding you that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so Isaiah 26 is piggybacking off that, sort of a two-part mini-series before we get into Easter next week, but, but reminding you that because of who who God is, we as God's people have every reason to have hope and confidence and assurance even in the worst of times. And so we're not trying to belabor the fact that we're going through COVID-19. We know you see that everywhere and it's in every newscast around, but we also don't want to be ignorant to the reality that, man, we are in some unprecedented times in our day and age. And we want to speak to you right where you are with the reality of God and the truth of God's word. And uh, isn't it true that, that there's so much that we are facing today? I, it's all brand new to me in my young 44 years of living. And there's so much coming at us from so many different angles and, and two short weeks, we went from everything normal to now, like, what is going on? The world sometimes feels upside down. And the reality of what we're facing brings out a response from so many people. I'm hearing this word a lot the last two weeks. It's the word fear. This response of fear, or here's another word I'm hearing a lot. I just got a little bit of anxiety about all that's going on. Of course, there's natural to have fear and anxiety in uncertain times. Of course, we're, we're concerned about our own health. We're concerned about our loved ones and, and their health. And then this past week, we hear of government shutdowns. And all of a sudden, now it's not just health we're concerned about. We're concerned about our jobs. And the businesses that we've built up over so many years are now on the verge of, like, what's going to happen? And, and the jobs that we thought were so stable are now, all of a sudden, they're, they're not as, as guaranteed as we thought they were. And it's creating a little bit of instability in our souls. And it's, it's not just you if you're thinking, oh, it's just me, it's just me, everyone else is so strong. It's across Canada. And the word I hear so often is fear and anxiety. In fact, I heard this, I read this this week on a small poll of Canadians from cbc.ca. This is probably last Tuesday or Wednesday, so it's probably even different since then. But here's, here's a prevailing attitude in Canada today. Since COVID-19 entered our country, 41% of people admitted fear of personally contracting the virus. With 16% saying, yeah, I'm just a little bit afraid. I am really afraid of this. 41% also fear that someone in their immediate family is going to contact, contract this virus. Somebody who's maybe vulnerable, an older person, or someone with health concerns. Was 26 people said that they're very afraid of someone in their family being affected by COVID. 
Almost half the people in, in the survey said that this been, had an impact on their ability to visit loved ones in the hospital or long-term ter- long care homes. And so it's created an even greater sense of like, what is going on? The world seems like it's turning upside down on us. And then, of course, this past week, we had these announcements of like government shutdowns and, and no longer can you have business and no longer can you go to a place of employment. And, and 44% last Tuesday, this is last Tuesday, think of how it's changed since then, last Tuesday said that they've already been affected by reduced work creating more fear. 48% of the crisis has impacted their RRSPs or other, retire, other investments, and 38% said it's already affected their income. 35% their capacity to financially assist other family members who need it so desperately. And 27%, again, this is last Tuesday, so much has happened since then, it's happening day by day. 27% said it's affecting their ability to pay bills, and 21% their ability to even meet their mortgage payments or pay rent. These are uncertain times. 16% as of last Tuesday said they already lost their jobs. And 54%, over half the people in Canada said they're already looking to stock up on food and supplies at home. It's almost like we don't know where our strength comes from, where our stability comes from. And if you don't know God, I can understand that. You look at the news, and it just seems like it's grim news after bad news after worse news. And yet, as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, you know what I want to encourage you with today? We're going to see this in Isaiah chapter 46. Christ, in every season of life, in every time period in history, gives us security over instability and peace to override my panic. Did you hear that? Christ, because of who he is and his promises to his people, give God's people an unparalleled security in times of instability and peace to override my panic. In other words, we have hope like no other people on the planet. It's really the message of Isaiah chapter 46 this morning. And uh, sorry, Isaiah chapter 26. Let me remind you of the context here. Remind you of this last week, but God's people, the Israelites, were in captivity. They'd been in captivity for now uh, 70 years. You think your two and a half years in, in two and a half weeks in quarantine's been tough. 70 years in Babylonian captivity because of their sin and their rebellion, their idolatry against God. So God's people were going through their own crisis. And in fact, the first 39 chapters of Isaiah is sort of like doom and gloom. And God's reminding his people that, hey, I'm a holy God and I'm a just God and I'm a a jealous God and I'm jealous for my own glory and I'm jealous for my people and I'm just in all my ways. And and, and he does whatever it takes to get our attention. And so he's reminding Israel, is the Israelites of why they're under captivity. But then he's also in the first 23 chapters of Isaiah, it's a little bit doom and gloom. He's also calling out everybody else around them. And he's saying, hey, you're under wrath and you're under judgment and you're, you're going to suffer the consequences of your sin and you're going to suffer the consequences. If you read it, it's pretty, it's pretty much a doom and gloom. And by this point, if you've read to chapter 26 in Isaiah, you're kind of like, is there any good news? Is this a mean ogre God who sits up there and just rains fire on the universe? Yes, God does punish our sin and he does give us consequences for our idolatry and our rebellion. That's a a good God. That's a, a just God. Just like a just judge, a good judge would dole out the right punishment for a crime. So God gives the right punishment for our crimes and Yet Isaiah in chapter 25 and 26 gives us a little bit of a, the sweet side of God as well because he's not all judgment and wrath. He's also love and grace and, and mercy and kindness. And 
He sometimes puts us in places to get our attention back on him, only that we can see his goodness and his mercy and his kindness. And so in Isaiah uh, chapter 24, we're reminded that the whole world is under judgment. But in Isaiah chapter 25, we see that there's some rejoicing to be happening because God's grace is eventually going to swallow up death and come through for his people with salvation. It's almost like God's saying to them, hey, it's gotten messy. The world has turned upside down. You may not understand, but know this, know this. You might be discouraged, but, but, but don't lose hope. I'm still a God who is a God of love and mercy and grace. Then in chapter 26, we get to the proverbial breath of fresh air. Like being cooped up in your basement all day and coming out and coming out and seeing sunlight and breathing in fresh air, like, like wandering through a desert without water, finally finding a spring. This is, this is what chapter 26 was for God's people. It was, a, it was a, is there any good news, God? Is there any good news, God? No, it's not just good news. There's great news for the people of God. Ready for it? Ready for it? Here's the good news that we're going to study today, just four verses, but it is packed full of meaning and promise for us. Look at verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 26. Notice the subtitle in your Bibles. The subtitle, you keep him in perfect peace. Oh, it doesn't sound soothing already. You keep him in perfect peace. This was says in verse 26, verse 1. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. It's a song the people of Israel are going to sing in the midst of their own chaos. A song that we can sing in the midst of our mini chaos here in Canada in 2020. Listen to the song. We have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Did you hear that? I don't know where to turn. I don't know what's going to happen next. And I'm fearful of this and I'm scared of that. Stop and listen again. Stop and listen again. Let me just let the word of God sink into your soul today. Listen with spiritual ears. God, help me understand this and see this this morning. I need hope. I need peace. I can only find it in God. Listen again. Listen again. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation may keep, that keeps faith may enter in. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. This whole chapter is a feel-good chapter. It's, it's like the book you read that you're like, oh, it's so good. I just want to pick it back up and read it again. It's like the movie you watch and, and, and your wife wants to watch it again next weekend because it's so uplifting. This is Isaiah chapter 26 verses, the whole chapter, but specifically chapters verses one to 24. Let's study this. Let's study this together this morning and, and see what God has for us. Here's the, what we want you to know this morning. If you can write this in your notes, uh, that would be fantastic just to keep track and you can go back and look these over. Here's, what it, here's the, the main point of this. In times of chaos, I have reasons to sing. In times of chaos, I have reasons to sing. Here's two right from the text. Notice the first part, verse one and two. I have a safe, secure shelter in the Lord. In times of chaos, I have a safe and secure shelter in the Lord. 
In that day, that's the future tense for the people of Israel. What day is that? This is the day they're hoping for. This is the day of deliverance they're longing for. They're longing for a day when their city is not torn down, but their city is built up. They're longing for a day where there's a strong city, where there's defense and fortification for the people, where the righteous, where the people of God, those who've been saved by faith, come in and have sweet fellowship with God and have sweet fellowship with each other, that they come into this place and they find actual safety. John MacArthur says this about the pastors. This strong city they're talking about is in contrast to the typical city of confusion that Isaiah refers to of the enemies as in chapter 24 and 25 and 26 that was going to be doomed. This city that God had planned for the people was one of future prominence and it was the actual the millennial Jerusalem that, that God was going to set up for his people. Israel was look, looking forward to the day They were looking forward to the day where the righteous would be together with the reality of their God. We look forward to the same day, and I know what you're thinking already. Well, that day's coming, and and that day's going to be future tense. That day's going to be in glory when we meet Jesus. Yes, that is true, but, but if you stop to think about this, if you stop to think about this, it says it right here in the text. That we don't have to wait for that day to come, the day that we actually uh, meet Jesus face to face, but that day is actually here. Look at where the strong city comes. The strong city comes and he sets up salvation as walls and bul- bulwarks. In other words, that's the strong city that we have as believers comes from the reality of Jesus Christ in our lives. Future city of protection and shelter is here in the reality of Jesus Christ. And so we enter that city by faith. Jesus Christ is actually the city of refuge that we all look forward to and long for. See what it says? Salvation is set up as walls, walls and bulwarks. Our salvation in Jesus is what gives us our fortification, which is a strong city where we can find our, our rest and our peace and our hope. Jesus Christ is the refuge that we all long for. You're not going to find it in the world. You're not going to find it in the next news report. You're not going to find it in in coming up with a a vaccine for this virus because there's going to be another one. You only find your true refuge in the city, the strong city of salvation, which is found in Jesus Christ. Notice the words he uses here, the walls and bulwarks. Now, what's the walls and bulwarks? Bulwarks are a defensive wall. Back in Jesus' day, uh, they would build these big fortified walls. Jerusalem, in fact, was a city that had, had two and a half meter wide walls. It wasn't these little flimsy little drywall, two by four walls that you got to like go across, tiptoe across. It was this, this eight foot wall of fortification for the people. And you could drive a chariot across that wall. You could have a nice little game of football on that wall. This was a wall that if you're behind that wall, you were safe and secure. You were defended. This is the reality for believers in Jesus Christ. We, when we enter into faith in Jesus Christ, we're defended by the truth of Jesus. When we were in Israel a few years ago, we came across some of the broken down, ref, broken down uh, old cities that, that just showed how strong the fortification of the walls were. This is the city of Nimrod uh, up in the mountains in, in uh, Israel. You can see it's in a fortified place. You couldn't get to it very, very easily. You had to climb up a big slope, and we drove up, up it. It was almost like this much of an incline. And uh, you get into that city, and you look down, you can see your enemies coming for miles. You just, it just almost feel safe and secure like they used to feel, if you used to feel back then. See, see the picture of the walls on the right? These are big, thick walls. This is what Jesus Christ, who Jesus Christ is to those who put their faith in him. This is what it says in Psalm 18, verses 1 to 3. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. 
I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. It goes on to say, I'm saved from death and destruction and even hell itself because God responds to our cries through his son Jesus. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. Brothers and sisters, we don't have to look anywhere else for safety and security. We look to one place and one person, and that is Jesus Christ. And Jesus this morning invites us to come there. He invites us to come by faith in him. Notice what it says in the text. Open the gates. The gates are open that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. How do we get into the safe walls of Jesus? How do we get into the safe arms of Jesus? Simply this, by faith. By faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9 says that it's not by works that we come to Jesus Christ, by being a good person or by our parents' faith or anything else. We come to Jesus by faith in him ourselves, that recognizing that we are sinners and we need a savior, that we are, are hopeless and we need hope. We come to Jesus by faith, saying, God, you're my only place of true shelter and hope. But the Bible tells us we also live by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. How do we enter into this, this fortified place where we have to worry about what's going on around us where we can have assurance and safety? We do so by faith. Reminder that just because we have the key to the city, the key is Jesus Christ, doesn't mean we actually enter into it by faith. So if we give you the key to my house, say, go to my house, spend as much time as you want there, like hang out, take whatever, take whatever you want, use whatever you want. You'd actually have to take that key and use it. And so believers, we have been given access to the city of faith, but the city of, of salvation, but we have to also in these times act, actualize that reality by faith in Jesus. Look at the righteous. What makes us righteous? Only Jesus makes us righteous. Can actually enter in by faith. Entering into Jesus by faith takes humility. It takes earnestness. It takes faith. Believing in who Jesus is and says he is and willing to take him up on his offer to enter in. It's not for the double-minded, James 1, 6, and 8, or the distracted. It's for those who take up Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of the things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It, it, it's, it's, God, I need you now. I'm going to enter in by faith. Let me ask you this as you go throughout this whole COVID experience as I do. Like, where are you going to for your hope and your confidence? Where are you going to for your safe spot? Are you actually running to Jesus? Are you running to everything else around you to try and somehow comfort your soul and find solace for your life and your family? The only place you're going to find is in Jesus Christ. Reminded the story when um, Maya was a little girl, and she's always been had a, uh, an aversion to uh, sound, as you guys probably see in church. Now, my daughter Maya has uh, got some special uh, special needs and has uh, been a real blessing to our lives. One of her aversions is, is sound, and anytime a loud sound goes, she's she's got her fingers in her ears and she's terrified, and she runs to find a safe place. Usually, my wife or I. She was a little girl, maybe three or four. We were in our backyard in London, Ontario, and uh, they had this, this some big event happening where the snowbirds, I think, were going over. And we're in our backyard, and I could kind of hear them coming from a distance. So I was kind of looking for Maya, like, where is she? And, and as soon as that thing, she was back in the back of the backyard. And as soon as that, those snowbirds came right overhead, she was so panicked. She had her fingers in her ears, and she's running at the top of her as fast as she can. And she's looking for her dad. She always has her glasses down like this, looking for her dad, looking for her dad. And, and I was running towards her, and she fingers in her ears 
just fell down on the ground and she couldn't even get up because her fingers were so jammed in her ears. And I went down and I picked her up and she put her little face into my chest and it almost felt like she was trying to drive her body into mine and she was trying to get so close to me. I just had my arms around her and said, honey, it's okay, you're safe. Trying to pull her fingers out of her ears, going, you're in a safe place now. Daddy's got you, daddy's got you. Daddy has got you. You have no reason to fear. Do you realize, brothers and sisters, that's what Jesus is doing in our, in our lives. COVID-19, COVID-19, where do I run? Where do I run? I don't know what to do. Run to the arms of Jesus. His arms are open. He's inviting you to come into this safe place by faith and experience his presence and his safety and his security. This is the reality of the God that we serve. Martin Luther says this in his song, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, reminding us of the reality of Jesus in these times. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper is he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing, for still our ancient foe does seek to work us woe. His craft and his power are great, and armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him, the word above all earthly powers. No thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. His kingdom's forever. Maybe some of you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ this morning and you're not sure where to turn today. Let me assure you this. Jesus is, is beckoning you to come. He longs for you through faith and repentance to put your hope in Jesus and to find that safe spot. Maybe some of you are Christians and, and you, you have never, any time a crisis happens, you run away from Jesus. How about running to him this time? Maybe you're today and you're safe and secure in the Father's arms. Rest in that and be assured of that. God will never let you down. Jesus will always hold you close. Be strengthened by that reality. And not only will he hold you close, look what it says in verse three. I love this. I love this. Point number two, he will give you perfect peace. Perfect peace is mine for the taking. Perfect peace is mine for the taking. Look at verses three and four. When we, when we realize our salvation in Jesus and our hopes in Jesus, look what it says here. When you run to Jesus, he, he welcomes you in and he opens the gates wide and he pulls up the drawbridge and he slams the door and he holds you secure. And in that place, look what you'll find. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Notice the pattern of this text. An expression of confidence in God, and then the exhortation to trust in God based on that confidence. Notice who keeps us in perfect peace. You keep him in perfect peace. Who keeps us in perfect peace? It's not you keep yourself in perfect peace. It's he keeps us in perfect peace. It's not me keep myself in perfect peace. It's he keeps me in perfect peace. Ever tried to give yourself peace? Are you with me? Oh my goodness, the chicken little, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. 
I'm going to find peace and I'm going to make peace. And how does that work for you? It's like a dog chasing his tail. You can't find peace uh, in and of yourself. It's just impossible. It's that never ending chase for peace. Look what the promise is. He will keep us in perfect peace. In other words, we pull our car up to his service center and open up our heart tank and he puts the nozzle in and he fills us with peace. And he keeps us in peace. Notice keeps, that word keeps. It's a constant, it's ongoing, it's perpetual. It's not just pockets of peace or little glimmers of peace. I think I see the sunlight now. It's a, it's a sunrise of peace that cascades into our souls. Such sweet peace is described here as perfect peace. The peace the world can't find. Peace overcomes our own sinfulness and overcomes our own fearful tendencies. It's the peace that only God can give to God's people. Perfect peace. Isn't perfect peace in heaven? Yes, but look at the promise here for us on earth. You keep him in perfect peace. One commentator said it's that inward peace, it's an outward peace, it's peace with God, it's peace of conscience, it's peace at all times, it's peace under all events. This peace shall he put into us and keep us in possession of. Think of your little happy spot, the place where you find the most peace. Maybe it's your cottage, maybe it's your backyard, maybe it's driving the country with your spouse. Think of that peaceful spot. Maybe you're sitting under the old oak tree at grandma's property. Think of that peace. Like, I don't want this to end peace. This is so sweet. Why can't all of life be like this? This is the, this is, this is the kind of peace Jesus is offering, but perfect peace forever, perpetual peace in our day, in our time, in our season. Like a doctor keeps administering pain meds to keep the pain down, so the Lord administers peace to keep the panic away. Notice this, though. We don't come to God just for the peace he can give. We come to God for God himself. The first prize we get is God. You come to God for just peace. It's like the kid coming to their father for a handout, like, Dad, give me money. Like, no, Dad, I want you first. If I want to spend time with you first and foremost, you come to God and say, God, give me peace, give me peace. Doesn't how it work that way. God wants more of a relationship with us. You know where you can find peace? Looking, your, looking at God, again from last week, Isaiah 46. Looking at his character and remembering how much he loves you and just enjoying his presence. That's where the peace is found, in the presence of the living God. He promises us perfect peace. Don't you long for peace today? Oh, I just want peace. You find it in God. And knowing who he is and seeing his son and understanding his love for you, that's where peace is found. And he says he'll give it to you. But look, there's a response on our behalf that, to actualize this peace. You keep him in perfect peace. Great, I just get peace. No, 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 there's a, there's a response, there's a loving response we have to God whose mind is stayed on him. To embrace God's, to embrace God's peace, there's, there's a response on our behalf. It's, it's to have minds stayed on him an unwavering trust in him. Here's what God offers. How do I get this? First you enter into faith by Jesus Christ. Then you keep your mind stayed on Jesus. I have a dialed in mind to the reality of God. Let's be honest, there's so many things swirling in our brains today, isn't there? 
Man, I stopped looking at the news by Wednesday because there's so many stories coming so fast and furious and, and they, they, they honestly cause anxiety in me. And, and I realized uh, Wednesday afternoon that here I am, here I am, and I'm grabbing onto all these messages of the world and all the things you should do and shouldn't do and all the, clean, the ways to cleanse yourself and keep your family safe. I'm buying into all these things. And you know what? All the truths of God's word are also swirling out there. I'm just letting them swirl. Your mind is swirling, my mind is swirling. How about having our minds swirl with the truth of God's word? And so here's what I did on Wednesday. I dropped all the messages of the world I was getting of how to respond and what to do, and I threw them on the ground, and I just, I just started grabbing onto all the messages of God from his word. I started holding onto those tight and allowing those to sink into my soul. You know how life's changed since Wednesday, to be honest? Remarkable. Notice it's, it's not just a feeling of peace that comes. It's our faith's not a feeling whose, whose mind is stayed on you. Get this. What you think affects how you feel and how you act. How do I have peace? Keep your mind stayed on Jesus, fixed on Jesus. Here's what stayed means. It means steadfast. It means undeviating in commitment to a purpose, a conviction, or a person. It's my mind stayed on Jesus, which is then going to affect my feelings, and then my actions. Peace comes from a dialed-in mind, focused on God. If you have a teenager house, like a, like a teenager playing Xbox. You ever watch a teenager play Xbox? It's like, they're dialed in, like a bomb could be going off next to them. The house could fall down, a tornado could come, and they'd still be there doing this. That's the picture you want, peace. Do that with God, though, the purposes of God, the promises of God, the character of God. Zone in on God and you will, you will find peace. Here's some practical ways to live this out. To get in the right mind frame, to have this perpetual peace flood your soul. First of all, it's simply this, tune into God's word. I'm not going to tell you anything brand new if you're a Christian today. It's tuned into God's word. It's, it's Colossians 3, 1 to 4. If you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, get that? Set your mind, the seat of our whole being, really, on things that are above, not on things that are of earth. For you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ. Start seeking things that are above. Look vertical, not horizontal. Well, Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9. Again, I'm going to give you verses you know, but they take on so much more meaning in times like this. Philippians 4, 8 and 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and commendable, if there's anything that's excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. In verse 9, and the God of peace will be with you. Here, can I encourage you with this, brothers and sisters? How about this? In the coming weeks, shut off the things of the world and start tuning into the things of God. We have all this time on our hands. How about turning Netflix off, that empty web searching off, and, and, and the, the news feed that just gets you down anyways? And how about dialing in and tuning into the word of God? Instead of, it's not going to bring you down, but it's going to pick you up. Tuning into the source of all truth is the game changer for us as believers in these uncertain times. Don't know where to start in the Word of God? Try the Psalms. They're real, they're raw. They're filled with hope and promise. They ultimately point us to the reality of God. How about you do this? Read a Psalm a day for the next week and see how God changes your perspective on things. If you have never read through the Bible yet, why don't you read through the Bible in all your downtime? Instead of more Netflix movies, why don't you read the Bible? If you read just 12 minutes a day, you can get through the whole Bible in like one year. 
Why don't you read like 90 minutes a day and see what you can accomplish in this whole time of COVID-19? Well, how about I make that a challenge of yours? I'm going to read through the Bible so I can know God clearly. And I can see his plan for my life and I can have this peace that he assures me that no one else can have. Tune into God's word. Here's another way to do this. Memorize scripture. Don't just like know the scriptures, like memorize it, ingest it. Joshua 1, 7 and 8 says this, only be strong and very courageous. Don't we need that today? Only be strong and very courageous. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all that is according, that is written in it, for then you'll be prosperous, not like a worldly prosperous, but a spiritually prosperous. is far more gratifying than a worldly prosperous. You and I both know that today. And you may have good success. Colossians 3.16 says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. If you're going to stew about anything in the next coming days, why don't you stew on the word of God? If you're going to chew on any bit of information, why don't you, you chew on the word of God? Memorization of scripture has become one of those things that we, we look at as a past thing and people don't do that anymore. How about memorizing scripture again? And, and as a family, you know, yeah, it's good to read books and all those things, but how about, how about memorizing scripture? And saying as a family, we're going to memorize, say, a Psalm 23. And we're going to let that truth guide our lives. How about you do this? You find as many promises as you can from the Word of God, and you start memorizing them as a family. Maybe even Joshua 1, 7, and 8, and see how God changes your perspective. Here's another way to pray often. How do we have minds stayed on Christ? We tune into God's Word. We memorize Scripture. How about praying often? Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. Easy for you to say. No, no, this is in precarious times too. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If anything comes out of this pandemic, you just, you just hope it is. We become a people passionate about prayer. We've been praying for a revitalized prayer meeting for a long time in our church. Guess what? This encouraged my soul so much as a pastor. Last Wednesday, 71 people logged on. A total of 175 people around showed up for prayer meeting on Wednesday night and we prayed our hearts out and it was powerful and we left there not just feeling a little bit less overwhelmed. We left there high as a kite feeling, I, I left feeling so much, no burden and like joy in my heart. That's the power of prayer and the power of prayer that gives peace in these times. Last Monday night, when I knew these shutdowns were coming, I was like, I don't know what to do about this. And I'm starting to think all the people in our church are going to be affected by this. You know what I did? I called a bunch of people and said, let's pray by Zoom. Four or five guys on Zoom, we prayed from, from I think it was eight till nine or nine till 10, I can't remember. And, and I left that meeting going like, oh man, now I can sleep tonight. Because God's got this. How about using this time to really draw near to God through the practice of prayer? You have so much time on your hands. What are you going to do with it? How about this? Read God's word, memorize God's word, and pray as your priorities. Pick a passage and pray it into your soul. Pray for others. Use this acronym. If you don't know where to start, this acronym that came up with a few years ago for our church. Pray. P-R-A-Y. Praise. Repent. Confess your sin. Ask God. And more than anything, yearn for more of God in your life. Here's the other quick things that You'll find through different places of scriptures, I want to encourage you with them that I've realized that peace comes as we keep our mind stayed on Christ by enjoying creation. 
Take in creation, enjoy the creator, walk outside and breathe. Peace comes in those places. Don't just sit on your couch and worship the creator by enjoying what he's given you. How about this? Be productive. Again, so much time in our hands. What are you gonna do with it? What are we gonna do with our time? All our evenings are free now. We're not running kids everywhere. How about be productive and, and think of ways that you can even serve Christ in this time of, of downtime? How can you minister to those in your street? How can you contact five? And the challenge I gave to you as church people, how can you contact five in your church and just show them the love of Christ? How about you do a project around the house? Like be productive in your time. God made us to be productive. And here's the last one. Now just thank God. Count your blessings and thank God. We have so much. We have so much. Just thank God for who he is and all that he's given us. Even as we're isolated from others and maybe taking hits across the board, thank God and count your blessings. That's the first prerequisite to this peace. God offers us peace. Here's what he says, but our minds need to be stayed upon him. Hopefully that encourages you and helps you to keep your mind stayed on Christ this week. Stay with me. There's one more thing it says here. It says that we have to have determined hearts as well. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because... He trusts in you. Notice how it says trust. Two sentences back to back. It's always a clue that God really wants you to listen up to that. His mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Here's the way we keep our hearts determined on Christ. Two words, easy to say, hard to do. Trust God. Trust God. The more your mind is stayed on Christ, guess what? The more your mind is stayed on God, the more you understand who God is. The more you see how he works, the more you see you have nothing to fear. And the more you keep your mind stayed on God, the easier it is to trust God. And trusting God, let me encourage you, brothers and sisters, is a choice. You're not captive to your emotions. You don't have to go where your emotions go. It's a choice of the mind to determine that I am going to today trust God. All these worries coming at me, all these anxieties, all these things I should be concerned about, but over more than that, I'm going to trust God. Don't trust in yourselves. Don't trust in the doctors or politicians or the new media outlets. Trust God. The word trust is a verb, actually. It means to believe in the reliability, the truth, the ability, or strength of somebody. It means I am going to put my life in God's hands. Trust God. Not like, oh yeah, I trust God. I believe what he says in the scripture. That's, that, that's the first step in trusting God. Here's what true trusting God is. I trust God and I'm gonna do a trust fall into his arms. Remember trust falls when you were a kid at camp? I hated trust falls. Hated them. You get up on this big platform, you look down at all your goofy little buddies giggling away, you know, and you're like, they're not even watching. How is this gonna work? You get up there and you stand, you stand backwards and they're like, okay, fall. Now here's how I'd fall. Trust falls at camp. I'd be going like this, you know? Like, I really don't trust the guys underneath there. As well intentioned as they are, I'm not sure they can hold me. Or they're not smart enough to look up when I'm coming down. Here's the reality. You want peace in your heart? Here's the truth. You can stand up in that trust fall. You can get your arms like this and you can fall backwards knowing this. You can put all of your weight of your life in the arms of the living God and he will always be watching and always catch you. He's never dropped one yet who's chosen to put their full weight into his arms. Trust God. I want to give you some familiar passages that you already know, but I want to remind you of them this morning. And I've picked ones that you already know on purpose because I'm not trying to teach you anything new this morning. I just want you to trust in the age-old promises of God. 
Here's how you can come to the place where you truly trust God by taking him at his word and knowing that he is exactly who he says he is. Here's how God promises, here's what God promises for you in your life as you live your life for him and in him during this particular season. First one is this, Psalm 23, verses one, two, and three. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Let me get there, let me read it for you. Turn there with me in your Bible, Psalm 23. You hear this at every funeral. You see it on, crocheted on pillows. You probably have it on a bookmark where you're giving your kid. But listen, listen to what it says, and, and remind yourself again. Here's why I can trust God, because this, because God is my shepherd, I shall not want, or be in want, or be in need. I don't need or want anything else. Why? Because he makes me to lie down in green pastures, back to that perfect peace. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul and he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. God is promising in this season to be your shepherd. You can trust him. Get this. He's also promising to be your guide. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I'm not sure what you're going to do in this circumstance. How are we going to handle this? You don't have to worry about those things. You know why? Because Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says you can trust in the Lord with all your heart. You're probably quoting it already with me right at your home leaning not in your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. And guess what? He will make your path straight. In other words, just like he did for the Israelites through the Red Sea, he's going to make your path straight through this time of life. He will never lead you astray. GPS may fail you, but God will not. Your path is straight. Notice this from Psalm 31, verse 15. This is maybe one you don't know, but I've been really struck by this lately. He holds my life in his hands. Psalm 31 says, 15 says this, my times are in your hands. What a comfort that's been to me. My times are in the hands of the Lord. My times are in his hands. This time is in his hands. Nothing catches God off guard. Nothing is too big for God. Nothing is baffling to God. My times are in his hands. In other words, God has determined that this is a time that we're gonna walk through together to strengthen your faith, to help you see the glory of God and to... And to grow you into the image of Jesus Christ. My times are in his hands. Remember last week, God is sovereign. From start to finish, he's got you covered. I want to encourage you this. During this time of whatever you're going through, your times are in God's hands. It's been preordained. It's been predetermined that this is a time that we're going to walk through together. And God has a purpose and a plan in it. I, I think of that my times are in his hands. I think of, think of the hand of God. Think of the hand of God, a massive hand, my little hand, right? Look at my little hand compared to my body. Just a portion of it. Think of the hand of God. And, and Isaiah 40 says the hands of God like, like stretch across the breadth of the sky. And so if that's just the hand of God stretching from, from, from one as far as you can see to the sky to the other side, you can see, think of how magnificent the body and the person behind that is. And think of the hand of God now covering over this world, covering over our country, covering over your home, covering over your life. Your times. Breathe, brothers and sisters, your times are in his hands. Well, this one, he's my provider. We know this so well. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Jesus says, do not be anxious because he loves us more than the sparrows of the air and the grass of the field. And just as he gives them all their splendor and array and provides for them, so he's going to provide for us. And it says in that passage, who by worrying for one hour, one minute can add an extra hour to your life? None of us. 
God's got us completely covered and provide for us all that we need. God is our safe house that we can run to, knowing that everything is going to be okay by God's provisions. I've experienced it. Many of you have experienced it. As your business is up in, air, up in the air, up in, up in the air right now, know that this God will provide for your needs. As your jobs are becoming less stable than ever before, know this God will look after your family. As your income is becoming less and your expenses are still the same, and you're not sure what's going to happen tomorrow, you will be clothed tomorrow. You will be fed tomorrow. God will provide. We're the hands and feet of Jesus as a church. We want to help you and help each other. Know that God will always come through. Notice this. He also, in Hebrews 13, uh, he'll, he'll hold us tightly. It says here, I'll never leave you or forsake you so we can confidently say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. Whenever we go into a busy place with Maya and Nick, we hold their hands tight. I remember recently walking through a busy, busy section of the city and there's people everywhere and, and Nick was, was holding tight. Usually he wants to run away. This time he's holding tight. He's like, he's like, daddy, daddy, don't let go, right? You're not gonna let go, right? And I was like, son, son, I will never let go of your hand. Especially as we step out on the street. God promises to never leave you or forsake you. That's for sure. That's not just in the good times. That's in the, the hard times. He is holding you so tightly now. You don't even have to hold on to him because he is holding on to you. And notice Romans chapter 8. You know this one too. Romans chapter 8, verses 35 to the, to the end of verse 39. His love will never fail you. Who shall separate you from the love of Christ? So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake are being killed all the day long, were regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But it doesn't matter, verse 37, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. You know those little cartoons where the, the sun is over one person, all they do is walk around, that little sun just follows that person everywhere they go. And that's us, brothers, as, as children of God, that little, that little ray of sunshine is always over us because nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. And for this reason, we have hope because we've anchored our lives to the true foundation of Christ. And he assures us that we can trust him we can trust him with all that we have. We can fall into his arms and he will never drop us. Look at how this ends. Trust in the Lord forever. You can trust in him forever. No matter what's coming, no matter what's going, you can trust in him forever. Here's what I see a lot in the world today. I see crisis Christians. Here's what I mean by that. In a crisis, people flock from everywhere to come to God, it seems. I'm a crisis Christian. Things aren't good right now. Got to go to God. Things are good. Don't need God, but I, uh, uh, things are bad. I know I need them then. You, and honestly, I'm expecting lots of people to be coming to, coming to Christ these coming days. But you, you know what true faith is? It's not just being crisis Christians. Okay, good. COVID passed and finances are okay and people are safe and now I can go my own way. Here's, here's, here's what truly following Jesus Christ is. Here's where true peace comes. Not just being a crisis Christian, but being a committed Christian. If God's drawing him to yourself today, it's not just like for this season. It's like, like no forever. His salvation is for the duration of your life and for all of eternity. God is calling to himself, maybe for the first time, and say, you know what? I'm going to give my life to Jesus, and all this COVID stuff has done is, is just prompting me to realize how desperately I need Jesus Christ. Come in and give your life to Jesus and trust him forever. 
trusting that all of these things can only come as God by his Holy Spirit's power gives us the ability to follow him, to love him, and to even have trust in him. Trust in him forever. For the Lord is an everlasting rock. He's our Mount Everest that can't move. He's the the Mount Everest in the harbor that we can bring our boats into and moor up to Mount Everest, and it's never gonna move. He's our rock. He's the, the, the rock that we build our house upon in Matthew chapters, you know, in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He's the, he's the house we build our, the rock we build our house upon. So when the storms come, it's not gonna be moved. He promises to give us strength, not just today, but forever. Trust him with your whole life. And he promises perfect peace and a life stable and secure and safe forever. Even at death, heaven is coming for those who trust in Jesus. So even death can't take this away. Death is actually our victory into the eternal reality, face-to-face presence of our living God. Isaiah chapter 26, so real, so true, so powerful for you and I. Forget fear, forget panic. Let's go for peace and assurance and hope in Jesus. Let me pray. Father, we do love you this morning. We're thankful for your word, which speaks so deeply to the very realities of who we are and gives us so much hope and assurance in these trying times. God, my prayer is simple. May you apply this word as you see fit to everybody who's listening and watching right now. From where they are, God, if there's some that aren't saved, they've never put their faith in Jesus, oh God, may today be the day where they realize that you died on the cross for their sins not just to give them a ticket to heaven, but to walk them through this life and to give them eternity with you in glory. Father, for those that are believers and maybe are running around frantically forgetting that their safe harbor is Jesus, bring them back, oh God, today and stabilize them in their faith and in the confines of your salvation, God. Give them stability and strength and hope. God, for those that are close to you and walking in you, Father, may there just be a message that stirs them up and, and gives them greater confidence in their God, that gives them peace for the day and peace for the week. Lord, use this in all of our lives for your purposes and ultimately for the glory of Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so we've designed our service today that you would now worship. What a, great, what a great note to, lend, to end with worship. So put that Spotify list on, get your, get your family around and maybe get some Zoom on with other families and just worship Jesus now for the reality of who he is, what he's promised and our true peace that we can have in him. Uh, know you're deeply loved. If we can serve you in any way, there's prayer, um, prayer room set up. Also right now, you can click on the Zoom link. There's uh, leaders of our church ready to pray for you, ready to pray with you. If you have anything that you want to, uh, to help with, uh, please, please let us know. And those prayer rooms are available. And... Um, and people are ready to pray for you. And then all week long, we're available for, um, for you as you see fit as God can uh, use us in your lives. I know you're deeply loved today. Uh, great to see you sort of via video. Can't wait to see you again when we gather together. Looking forward to that day already. That's gonna be a party and uh, hopefully you're gonna be at it. So love you. Have a great week in Jesus' name. Amen.